miserable morning. But before we get to commiserating, I want to take a second and tell you about our friends at Cozy Jewelers. I've been telling you about them for for a couple of months now. Uh, Family-owned and operated, located in the heart of Newtown Square. Uh, Cozy Jewelers is the place to go this holiday season if you're looking to get the special something for your special someone. They have a terrific selection. They're a certified Movado watch dealer, and they have a special going for Crossing Broad readers and listeners. If you're even thinking about getting engaged, whether it's the holiday season or in the new year, go in there. Those guys will walk you through the process. They'll tell you how they source their diamonds. They'll walk you through the four C's. And believe me, what can seem intimidating, those guys will make it easy on you. The running is special for Crossing Broad listeners and readers. If you buy a women's um, custom diamond engagement ring, you will get a free men's cobalt wedding band, which believe me, is something you're probably not thinking about when you buy an engagement ring and then you realize you you also have to have. So uh, having that assurance that, that you will get that free is 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 quite good so check out the folks from cozy jewelers um they are friends of the show friends of the website um located in the heart of newtown square in the edgemont shopping center you can find out more by going to cozy c-o-z-z-i jewelers.com if you go in there please tell them we sent you that helps us that helps them know where that their advertising dollars are being well spent and it will help you if especially if you're in the market to get engaged you get a free men's cobalt ring with the wedding band with a purchase of a women's diamond engagement ring so um our thanks to sponsoring cozy jewelers uh sponsoring for sponsoring the podcast and also anthony sanfilippo's flyers content on the website uh, on with the show look at this photograph every time i do it makes me laugh but i had our eyes get so red and what the hell is on joey's head so do we start with the devastation i guess we have to unless you want to talk about champions league draw which i don't think anybody does so let's Let's have a morning of mourning. I don't know where to begin. It's like we won the we won the division in one of the most maybe one of the best games the NFL has had to offer up all year. It lived up to the billing and the game's over and I want to stick an ice pick through my head. Is there I don't know if there's like another appropriate reaction. Seeing the Eagles excited in the locker room while I totally understand that they're out there playing and and won a game but it was like it was like watching the twilight zone like i'm here in in a puddle of my own misery and i imagine just about everybody else is and the eagles are celebrating like they won the super bowl i I have no idea how to reconcile those two things yeah when brandon graham returned it for a touchdown and like jumped in the the fans arms and they're all dancing and i'm just sitting there with the long view and I'm thinking about a loose ACL, and what does that even mean? I'm just, yeah, it's it's crippling. It's It feels dead it's, inside. I think it's important to kind of separate the two. I think, um, look, it's, it's, a, it's a team game. Those guys worked hard to win a game. And you lose your quarterback, and the initial diagnosis, the initial news wasn't anything too definitive. We know it's a neat thing, but the idea that the rest of the team is supposed to go into like we a know, state of mourning. We know. We're after, talking about you know, our like, experience. It's not the team. Like, of course, like those yeah. guys are, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. I don't know, man. There were so many people on Twitter that were ripping the team apart because they were filming in the locker room. Yeah, that's, you know, that's and, and that's like, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Like, look, 
I wasn't ready to see celebration videos. I wasn't ready for Brandon Graham to be running down the uh, the locker room tunnel, yelling at Derek Gunn like he does every week. Like I think it's great that a lot of those guys are upbeat, but like watching Zach Ertz walk Carson to the locker room with a hand of on course. his shoulder was the truth. You know, though, if this team's going to have any chance, they need to act as though they're the best team that just won the NFC East. That's currently eleven and two, and. I mean, we'll go along view and all that stuff about what's next, but they have three winnable games. They're already in the catbird seat because Sunday was this week was literally the perfect week for Eagles fans. The Vikings lost, the Saints lost, and the Rams lost, and now they're a full game ahead. It, it, what what the sacrifice of Carson Wentz for the team is insane. The fact that he threw a touchdown while his knee was messed up and he could barely stand without it bending the wrong way was insane. Uh, The fact that the defense all of a sudden, like the light came on and Gurley suddenly couldn't do anything and Jared Goff went back to being the mope he is, insane. Um, I want to do this really quick because we haven't done it in a while and I saw people tweeting at us about it. I think we officially take our our um, moment of silence. And I know that Joel Embiid's hurt too, but I think this one needs to be isolated on Carson Wentz because I think all of our energy needs to be isolated there. If you guys are okay to do it with me, if we could do a, a moment of silence for the knee of Carson Wentz, we're doing this at 6.15 on Monday morning. If there is any chance, any chance that it is not long-term, that it is truly what Seth Joyner is hearing, that it is an MCL or a PCL sprain, and there's any chance he can go back. This moment of silence is for that energy. Amen. Thank you. I totally missed this Joyner thing. What are you talking about? I just heard that apparently on the the post-game show, Seth Joyner was talking about how his guy – who told him that it was the Peters ACL injury right away, told him that it's possibly just an MCL or a PCL sprain. I mean, here's the thing, and I hope this doesn't look bad as we go back and, you know, even six hours from now when we probably know what happened. And people are like, ah, you know, they thought there was a chance. You know, the Rappaport report, is, which I'll never get tired of saying, is the Eagles are hopeful that, they're concerned it's his ACL and they're hopeful that it's not a full tear. The fact of the matter is they don't know. Like, so any reports and rumors we get right now, it's going to stop at the fact he hasn't had an MRI, you know, and maybe a handful of doctors looked at him and trainers and maybe there's differing opinions on what it could be and different amounts of hope. But the end of the day is, you know, it's like, it's like having maybe a broken ankle. You don't know anything until you, until you put it under the MRI. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful. I your your point about the the team, the, the last thing about the team in the locker room. It's like you know, first of all, those guys probably didn't even know, um, you know, how severe they know he was lost, but you know, they're not getting reports. They're in the heat of the moment. The other thing is with these former players on TV in the media. You know, obviously, you hear the players talking about it after the game. You hear guys like Seth Joyner and and other analysts on TV saying, no, when you form a team, you form 50-some men, and they all come together, and when you lose one, it's fine. It's like, that is the team mentality. Like, I respect that. But that's sort of also the problem when you have former players always weighing in because, yes, from their view, like, yeah, of course you keep playing. Like, no one's not just going to say, well, the season's over. But when you're seriously looking back and like, all right, 
does this team have a chance? The answer is no. Like, you know, we, we could talk about their chances in a minute, but, like, you're losing the best player. I can't think of a position in sports, maybe other than short of a handful of NBA players, where when one single player is done, an entire season is over. Like, baseball and hockey, you could lose even your best player and still say that's a good team and they got a chance. In basketball, like, yeah, there's a handful of players that, that you know, carry teams on their back, but I can't think of a position in sports where when your starting quarterback goes down, you're pretty much fucked like no matter what like the entire season is built around the fact that you have this you know one guy and if you're a good team it's almost impossible with few exceptions to withstand that in the long run so this just sucks like this this absolutely sucks adam the way you said it like all, everything broke the eagles way yesterday they're their sole possession of first place even now with the win they have two games on everybody else they have multiple tiebreakers like the fact of the matter is they're going to wind up with a bye I mean Nick Foles is certainly qualified enough to go in and win at least one probably two of the final three games here the Eagles get a bye so that that to me makes this that much worse. if they would have lost been down 10 and Carson blows out the knee and we refer to this as bloody Sunday going forward then it is what it is but the fact that they came out there Carson looked so good he was so impressive on some of those throws and then they come and then they finish the game strong they withstand the comeback and then win the game with Foles like shows you what a truly great team this is and to to know all that and then know that your quarterback is probably done for the year. I think that is the part that sucks the most this morning. Am I the only one who last night had a moment where all I thought about was getting Terrell Owens on the phone and getting that hyperbaric chamber that he slept in next to his bed after he broke his leg against the Cowboys to get back for the Super Bowl? And I just want Carson to perpetually sleep and exist inside of that chamber until late in the playoffs. It's tough, man, because we're now Carson Wentz is going to enter the Andrew Luck dilemma, which is so much of what can make him so special is what can limit his career. As we're seeing with Andrew Luck this year, um, he just, he plays at 110 miles an hour and it just puts him in situations. And the fact that it's going to happen on a play that doesn't even count, um, the fact that there was a Lane Johnson hold that didn't happen, but Diving in like that, um, there's there's a play every game. The two games ago, it was when he got hit uh, by Frank Clark and the play was supposed to be called, then he just got a free cheap shot. And that wasn't even on him. That was just on, on Frank Clark, really. There, we've gotten so lucky with Carson not getting really hurt. And, man, he played through it. Shout out to all the Eagles fans that went to L.A., and made that practically a home game. That was unbelievable. Um, and I'll say this, the team should be ecstatic. It, winning that game yesterday was really the only chance that this team would have had at any playoff run because if they get home field advantage, they have a chance. But it's got to be all running the ball and insane defense and Nick making the occasional play over the top. But, man, it's... It's had. It's hard to have that hope. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, I'm. You know, look, we're all holding out hope for this is a extreme partial tear, and you know, the good news is, is that if if that is the case, and we probably shouldn't spend that much time talking about on this if because it's probably not the case, but if it is, he essentially could sit out the next five weeks and not miss a meaningful game. 
Like home for all right, we're gonna probably just have to write off home field if that's the case, and just if it happens, it's a bonus. But they're they're all but assured of a buy at this point. So like you do have a situation where you could have your quarterback at a serious injury, and maybe it couldn't it could not happen at a better point in the season because the next five weeks there might not be a truly impactful game, at least in terms of the buy. Home field be damned. That's probably not the case though. So then like we, you know, now we're looking at Nick Foles and we gotta think, okay, here's here's one thing I look at. The Vikings. They're shaping up to be the team that would be there in the conference championship game. Their quarterback is Case Keenum. I know we, you know, differ on how much we respect the Vikings. But the at the end of the day, he's a serviceable, if not decent, quarterback who's played pretty well this year on a team with a terrific defense. If for some reason that game is on the road for them. It's in Philly. It's on the road for the Vikings. Like, Case Keenum doesn't scare me as the quarterback, you know, that Nick Foles has to beat. He has to beat that defense. But it's not like there's another team, you know, it's not like that team is coming to town with Aaron Rodgers, who, oh, by the way, might be the first opponent the Eagles would have to face. But, like, this is doable. Nick Foles is is better than at least three quarters, if not 90% of the backups in the league. Um, he's obviously not Carson Wentz, but you don't need to necessarily worry about him out there. He's not going to throw horrible turnovers. He's been with the team for a year now. He knows the system. He knows a good number of the players, both from now and the last time he was here. Um, there's probably not much you could throw at him that's too big for the moment. He's played in a playoff game. Like, we could do a lot worse. This isn't the Raiders with Derek Carr going out and the whole Matt McGloin, Connor Cook situation. Like, the Eagles do have a serviceable backup. Um, can, they, he can but win two games But he's a backup for home. a reason. No, sure, like, I, I think, I, think sure. We can talk, I think we can talk ourselves into You're right. You know, as, as positive of a scenario as you want, but like, I'm also watching a team that I feel like the defense disappeared for two straight weeks, and the defense, you know, they did show up on the last drive. They did get their final, you know, the game-breaking turnover that we were hoping that they would get in the Seattle game that never came. But I was also watching a defense yesterday that let the ball go through their hands three or four different moments in the game, twice on Bradham. And, and like, look, if, if the defense were swarming around like I thought they were early in the season, I might, I might be willing to go down this road of positivity with you. But the way that they have, have essentially disappeared, like, we're during the game. Oh, wait, I'm now. Oh, wait, wait. I want to stop you on the dispute because they just played the Seahawks and Rams on the road. They played maybe an MVP quarterback in Russell Wilson and the Rams, who are a frightening offense. And I saw them getting shit on for not tackling Gurley. And like, look, yes, it was not their best game. Todd Gurley is one of the top two or three running backs in the NFL. That offense is explosive. There's a there's a genius who's running it. Like, I'm not I'm not ready to go say, oh, they gave up a lot of points to the Rams on the road. This this isn't a good defense. We have a large enough I'm sample not- size that that was was the exception not the rule yesterday i'm just saying that there are certain things about their defensive play that have concerned me the last two weeks some of their open field tackling has been bad against todd Gurley. no it's not just todd Gurley, and it wasn't just against russell wilson not being able to contain him some of the open field tackling just hasn't been up to snuff like i'll also go off what russ is saying kyle i completely understand what you're saying but at the same point, as I was watching the game with Sims yesterday, he goes, the Eagles have a problem because of their wide nine technique. That they're allowing too many people to run through the guard and tackle, which is like the C and D gaps. And that because they're trying to get a lot of pressure with just their front four, they're actually rushing in a way that is leading to too many gashing runs, which is also why you were getting some of the runbacks from Russell last week. So I, I honestly think that 
the defense is about to become insane. Like, I actually think that Fletcher Cox and those guys just watched Carson Wentz go down and were like, yo, game time is on. But I think it's I think it's a combination of what you were saying, Kyle, where they just did play really get great teams and they don't have that on the rest of the schedule. But also what Russ was saying where I think people found some creases in the defense recently. But, like, the Cooper Cup play was undoubtedly, like, I, I will say Malcolm Jenkins has missed more tackles the last two weeks than he did the entire year before that, but it is fixable. Yeah. And yeah, before no, totally. before and Russ that gets was... to get back on the mic really quick now that it's working again, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if you guys are ready, but if you thought seven touchdowns against the Raiders under Chip Kelly was crazy, wait till Nick Foles throws eight touchdowns against the Raiders on Christmas. It will be incredible. Maybe that's what we do. Just be so blatantly excited about Nick Foles that there's nothing to do. Guys, it's at the Giants with Eli Manning. Nick Foles might be the better quarterback in that matchup. Then Christmas at home against the Raiders, who just got decimated by the Chiefs. And then the last game of the year might not matter, but it's the Ezekiel Elliott-led Dallas Cowboys as they're back in the fold. And then hopefully a bye. But I'm excited for Christmas. Nick Foles is putting up eight. I wish there was enough time. I wish this was two weeks earlier and there was enough time for a St. Nick shirt because it's almost too perfect. Can I? Can, okay, um, I know that we, we like to get in front of conversations. So obviously one of the conversations, and it's a stupid one, but like one of the conversations that's going to get brought up on Sports Talk Radio today is how long until Jeffrey Lurie makes a phone call to Tony Romo and to Colin Kaepernick? I see zero chance Tony of Romo, Kaepernick. I would, I, Tony, well, Tony Romo, I'll tell you, uh, he like someone saw him recently. Uh, that and when I say I mean, it was like was in a production meeting with him. He is not in football shape. He has not been working out. He wasn't in football shape before he retired. He's not better than what you're going to get out of Nick Foles right now, and he is injury prone. The Colin Kaepernick thing is becoming like, look, I I like what Colin Kaepernick stands for, and I think that he deserves all the praise he gets. But to put him into a system like this where he doesn't know anything and you're it's just it's not smart and it's not feasible. Um, it just doesn't make sense. This is the reason that you have a backup that you're paying this amount of money to and that has been there all year, and that the team already knows. And that LaShawn McCoy tweeted out last night, Nicky, Nicky, Nick Foles is a true baller. It's just putting in a new quarterback right now would take the team back. It would not take the team forward. I I totally agree with you. Um, like, you know, this, you know, I joked last night about talking myself into Robo because I'm not in a, I'm not in a good mental state at the moment. None of us are. Um but yeah, this is why you're paying Nick Foles. This isn't the dire situation the Raiders were in. Like, don't get, it's bad. And as far as Super Bowl contendership with Nick Foles, like, we should probably just stop thinking about winning the Super Bowl. You know, my, my sights are like, can we somehow pull off a miracle and win two home playoff games? You know, I mean, there's a, a real Super good Bowl chance trip, Nick Foles gets the but play. I know what you mean. Right, right. Nick Foles gets two home playoff games for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, and we consider that the season. Because, you know, I don't think Nick Foles is beating the Patriots or whoever the AFC throws at him. But 
you know, this isn't the dire situation the Raiders were in. It was like, oh, God, they have no shot of winning a playoff game against anybody without Carr. Like, Foles is a decent backup, and that is why you paid him to be here, and he knows the system. And bringing anybody in from the outside at this stage of the season is really tough. It's not like back in the day with Jeff Garcia, who had been here, and let, you know guys like that who are familiar with the system, and you can plug them right in. Like, neither Romo – I mean, I guess you could argue Romo's been watching a hell of a lot of game film – um, you know, but who knows what Ka- I know Kaepernick's been staying in shape. Has he been watching football? Has he been studying the Eagles? You know, one, no. But, like, it's impossible. It's really tough to bring a guy into that situation. Further, with the Kaepernick thing, I'll go, you know, a step further. While, like, you know, he deserves some applause, I think I think there's also things that he's, he's done along the way that have been needlessly incisive. Um, you know, and, and that whole Malcolm Jenkins, there's a whole Malcolm Jenkins, Uncle Tom debate that exists which, you know, I think is unfair. But regardless, like, Kaepernick will be a distraction if he's here. Forget about, like, his message, the fact that him being a distraction would be wrong, the fact that he's really not done anything wrong. And, you know, there's a million things to unpack here. But the fact of the matter is, whether you're 100% for Kaepernick, 100% against him and what he stands for, whatever it is, he would be a distraction if he comes here. It would be a media circus and and that's the reality. And quite frankly, that's probably the reason he hasn't played in the NFL this year because no NFL team that is trying that has the goal of winning wants to deal with that. And it has less to do with his message and more to do with the fact that if the Eagles or anyone else were to sign him, you're going to have you're going to have 50 national news trucks outside anymore. your practice facility. The it's next not even no, but, you know, but Kyle, I think, I've heard that. Kyle, but it is Kyle, at this I've point heard that in the season a thousand fucking times. It, and it's because no it's shit. True. But the thing is, is the Eagles are in a situation where if they have hatched in their mind this notion that they could be a running team with Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement, um, LeGarrette Blunt, and that they need a mobile quarterback and they have an offense that's stored away that is based on options and tosses, then you sign him. But what I'm saying is, is those playbooks don't fucking exist. I'm done with the whole distraction conversation. I've heard the speech a million fucking times. No shit. That's Colin Kaepernick and all the stuff he brings. But the true thing is, is if they truly believed he was the guy to win them the Super Bowl, then you know what? There's going to be just as many media there for the parade. So the thing is, is do they have a plan where Kaepernick was involved before? No? Okay, then it's not possible. And that's the discussion. I. Not about the media. Well, then don't make it about the media and the fans and all that stuff because that comes secondary. If the plan was there for Kaepernick, then you run it. But there's not plan, and that's the end of the discussion. And now we figure out Carson Wentz. No, but but, I think my point here is even if there was a fit, like even if this was a guy who was a fit. If there was a fit, then you sign him. This is not a situation. No, no, I don't think that happened. Well, that's just – well, then you're playing the PR man, and the PR man doesn't control who gets the Super Bowl. No, 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 no. I'm not playing the PR. I'm playing the coach because every NFL coach will tell you there's one, you know, it's a, it's about team. And, and this isn't a knock on Kaepernick, but the minute, no. if, if, I didn't want to, I didn't want, I didn't want this to go down. No, like it's not. Really Hold on. Long pro, pro, it's, and it doesn't, Kaepernick it doesn't have side, to be. I'm but. just making the point that if you were to bring someone like that, and even if he was the perfect fit, it would be such a colossal distraction on top of the distraction of losing your quarter. No team would do it. Like, no team would do it. That's, that's all I'm saying. Like, even if he was a fit. It's not happening either way. 
distraction. They talk to the media for 15 minutes a week. It's really not that big of a distraction. It's more about the owner being afraid of losing money by people canceling tickets. The amount of distraction in terms of answering questions, like how often do you see Doug Peterson in front of a microphone? Like an hour a week? How about Carson Wentz? Like 15 minutes? It's really not that big of a distraction, but that's one of the excuses that we're using so that he's still there. So here's a question. What are they going to do? What are they going to do for what are they going to okay. do for death chart? Like if death if, chart, if, that's what it is right now. It's a yeah. death chart. Well, what what happens? So we've got Foles. So they're going to bring up Nate Sudfeld from the oh. practice squad. He's going to be the backup. They worked out that Matt Sims last week. Uh, apparently the workout really went, went really well, but he was told that they didn't want to upset the quarterback room because the relationship between Wentz and Foles is so good. Uh, and now that's actually showing its can. So it'll be Foles will be the one, and depending on the injury, obviously, but it looks like Sudfeld would take over the two. Sudfeld is 6'6". Uh, he came from Indiana. Uh, he put up a lot of numbers at Indiana, but it was also one of those special offenses where you throw it like 60 times a game. But the Eagles stole him from Washington's practice squad by paying him a lot of money because they obviously thought that he had talent. Uh, I don't think he's the it's 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 Dick it just sucks. So that's the guy. The, yes. the fact that this conversation is happening happening right now sucks. And do we even have an update no, on Joel uh, back and stiffness? Like, it was just it, it was just, just back stiffness, which is I don't know. It's it's at least mildly just. alarming because he had back issues before the draft. I mean, like it's gonna yeah. it's gonna happen, but like yeah, load management, load management. I know. So it's... like he doesn't play against Cleveland, which looked like a game they might have been able to win with him, so that he could play against Boogie and the Brow, who, by the way. Anthony Davis to me watching the game last night looks like he was like the a hieroglyph turned into a human. He looks like he came out of King Tut's cave. That brow is just I didn't even watch the game. Such a I had no energy to yeah. turn on the Sixers. I had no interest in turning on the Sixers. This is This is the problem. Like this is the problem with me liking and and needing to find an outlet is I go from one massive disappointment to then turning that game on, they're winning, and then in the fourth the fourth quarter, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm can't, not looking, I can't I'm not looking to, but I'm game. just saying, like mentally fourth quarter, the whole thing just fell apart. You yeah, know, shit. It's and the it's, Sixers. It's like how many times do I need to watch them in the fourth quarter? For it them? was, and like uh, it's just been a bad week. It, like the, that that Seattle game is. The, I wonder the thing that that ruined my entire view on Philadelphia sports. Can I sacrifice the uh, the Flyers to the Sun? Because when the Flyers yes. were awful, the Sixers and the Eagles were fantastic. Like, let's just put them on a rocket, strap them there, and just right into the sun. Sounds good. I'm in. I saw someone tweet last night. They said, you know how bad the third team is when there's not even, like, ironic jokes on Twitter about, like, well, there's always the Flyers. They've won um, three straight. By the way, the Embiid thing, I, I know it was right at the start of the game. The Sixers sent and putting that out there three minutes after Car- on TV Carson Wentz is announces out is is either the most coincidental or the most diabolically brilliant PR move of all time because like no one even noticed like people couldn't even muster up the reaction to be like oh shit Embiid has a weird back thing going on um, so yeah I can't imagine a worse thirty minutes in Philadelphia sports. Like if you if you were to say to me like, all right, everything's going well, how can we just fucking 
spike this right before Christmas, I'm pretty sure the best way would be an ACL and, and an unknown Joel Embiid ailment. Like, I, I, I don't know if there'd be anything else short of, like, you know, the players murdering each other on the field. That's so, that's so morbid. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just – I'm sitting here and I'm trying to process – Fuck. I know, and the, like, this is the thing, too, is, like, it's it's all hope and – it's, like, a loss of hope and despair. It's hopelessness. Like, I all I want is t- is for us to be so wrong and for this conversation to just be null and void. Like, we find out that it's a sprain. And, like, I, I want – Wait, so, I want, Kyle, you saw that thing about Seth Joyner where he said it could be a sprain? I just saw on Twitter. Like, I, I just saw somebody – think- I just no, saw I somebody. Think I saw that. I did a search of Joiner, and somebody said that he mentioned on post game, so it, it, it was backed up. He didn't tweet it, but he said it. No. He was too busy tweeting about and how was... uh, Isaac Samuelo sucks. What happened to Wisniewski? Was there an injury? He was because some. Yeah. Okay. It's football. Yeah, he went down for a little bit, okay. and then him, and then uh, Samuelo, and uh, what's his name came in. Chance Warmack. So then that's uh, that's a real question, then Adam. So if. If if there is an injury at left guard and you're looking at Samalu having to be your left guard, is there any chance that they look to move Lane again, or are, do you really think that they're going to have Samalu next to Vita? Lane to where? Lane to left. Yeah. Lane to left tackle. No. Like I know they they haven't wanted to, but like if if your left guard situation is no, going to be that bad, you need to have an elite. It's better to have an elite right tackle than a good left tackle and a. Then who do you play at right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you can't shuffle. It's just more of, hey, guys, do your fucking jobs and also simplify the scheme, whether you keep in Selleck on the left side, hopefully Urch is back, and you keep Selleck on the left side to help chip or you chip running backs. You game plan smarter. You know, I I think what what's going to happen, and I do agree with you, Kyle, that we do have a much better backup quarterback situation than the Raiders did last year, but the similarities, man, it's shocking. You know, their offensive line was incredible. They had their wide receivers were clicking. They were like 11 and 2 themselves. And then they blew those games with Connor Cook uh, and Matt McGloin. Because Matt McGloin went down after like the first game against the Broncos or something like that. But the the coaches are, are going to have to get very creative these next few weeks. Um, in, in my mind, uh, everything from the offensive coordinator needs to come up with a, a very focused, detailed running game plan. Uh, and there needs to be reverses. Like, there needs to be a lot of stuff in there to take pressure off the quarterback. Special teams, I think, needs to be a lot more aggressive. And I know this sounds weird to even talk about, but I watch the Ravens and I watch the Jaguars every week dial up interesting special teams plays, whether it's good punting or the Jaguars with their amount of fakes. I think Dave Phipp and those guys need to start adding more fakes to the playbook because you're going to need to create offense. And I think defensively, um, I actually think that Jim Schwartz needs to dial it back. Uh, I think he needs to be smarter with his blitzes, but I also think that we need to live in a world where we hold teams to 13 points. And I noticed that a lot of times when he does the crazy blitzes, sometimes it's it's leading to huge plays. And I'd rather them play a really smart, contained defense. Look, there was a number of drives yesterday where the Rams were moving that I looked and I went, why the fuck is Fletcher Cox not in the game in the first drive of the second half? And 
the defense, I think we need to start skewing the percentages more to the Fletcher Cox, Vinnie Curry, Brandon Graham, Timmy Jernigan line, and not as much Bo Allen. Like, you could play some Bo Allen, but I think, you know, you're going to have to crank out more with that starting D line. But Giants, Raiders, Cowboys, if they can get a bye, yep. damn, they have a chance. And that is crazy because, Kyle, you said it before, I agree we disagree on Case Keenum, but it's still Case Keenum in Philadelphia. And I I look at all the other teams, man, it's fucking doable, but it's hard. Well, yeah, and I agree with, by the way, I don't disagree with your defensive assessment. I would say start that after the right. Giants game. Like, just, just bring everything at Eli. Um, but, like, yeah, are, are you guys even focused on the last, for me, the last three regular season games are like, the furthest thing from my attention. And I know that's, I know the season's not over. They haven't wrapped anything up yet, but I, I don't, to me, this team is too good to lose two of those final three games against the Giants. Three non. It's just tough to evaluate the Eagles. Most Cause they've likely been so reliant no, on I, for so long, making incredible plays. Like is the offensive line that good or does Carson one spit himself out of constant issues? You know, like, it's hard to really evaluate the offense, but um, I Nick Foles. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not trying to look. I, I'm not trying to undersell Wentz. Like there was a point, and this is like for me, this is another reason why it sucks so much. There was a point in the first half yesterday after I think the second touchdown pass where I was like, "God damn! Like nothing about this is a fluke. Like this guy is incredible. This guy is is can win games yeah. by himself." Like. And I know everyone has had that moment at some point, and it happens every few games for me. And I'm like, God damn, he's so good. And like, that's what sucks about this. The only thing I take solace in a little bit is like, you got guys like Corey Clement. You had a completely useless offense last year. And, you know, I nitpick Doug Peterson on a lot. But if there's one thing that he's shown he could do through what, you know, 30 some NFL games that he's coached or thereabouts, is that he can scheme his offense regardless of the personnel he has. Now, granted, a lot of that comes with a good line. All of that has yeah. come with Carson Wentz, who, by the way, was not terrific last year. Um, you know, and with with guys who aren't, you know, who you know, guys like Ajayi, who are super talents, who are cast aside from another team. Guys like Corey Clement, who no one even had heard of. Like he's he's he gets stuff out of players that no one thought he would get things out of. Um, so I, you know, and the fact that you have Ajayi and Blunt and Alshon Jeffrey, like you do have some arguably, you know, plus-plus or premium talents on offense that can withstand that. You have Zach Ertz, who let's assume he's healthy. Yes, he's got a rapport with Wentz, but he's shaping up to be one of the best tight ends in football. He's played with – he is one of the best tight ends in football. He's played with Nick Foles. Like, I I, I agree. Like, there, I'm not trying to sugarcoat the loss of Carson, but the offense has enough weapons to not be, like, completely inept without him. They're not going to become the Browns all of a sudden. And the defense has been good all season. Like, I'm willing to, you know, throw a little shade on the last two weeks because of their opponents. Like, I, I don't know. Like, for me, it's like I'm pretty much banking on still winning two of the final three games against teams that are very beatable, uh, two of which are at home. And for me, it's like all about, like, we're going to get a bye. Like, they probably only have to win one, really, to get a bye, most likely. It's just like I – I don't know. Like, that's my view. It's like I, the last three games, like, they should win too. If not, they just feels, have no hope. I, I don't know. I guess it's just too raw. I can't think about anything. I can't think about anything until we until we have a confirmed a confirmed diagnosis. Yeah. I can't. I can't. 
for what it's worth, the Seth Joiners, the Bray Dintingers, uh, the NBC National Halftime Studio Show, like all those guys, Tony Dungy, Ray Dittinger, Seth Joyner, who else is on the NBC uh, show? Help me out, Adam. Uh, Harrison, that's not his name. Rodney Harrison, Dan Patrick, Rodney, Mike yeah. Florio. Both Rodney Harrison and Tony Dungy were like, like matter of fact, yeah. Nick Foles is totally good enough to get the Eagles to a Super Bowl. Like no hesitation on yeah, either of their that, parts. A good that's enough. That's the team. sad you know, thing I, is like I know you, there. I thought that there there are very few teams that I think can actually beat the Patriots, and it's just reaching a point where every fucking year, it's it's them, and from someone that covers the NFL that doesn't always look through the green colored glasses. I looked at the Eagles and I was like, holy fuck, for one of the first times there's a team that I think has all the pieces to truly beat the, the Patriots. And it's a team that I grew up rooting for. And it was the perfect season. You know, the injury to Aaron Rodgers, who could be back. Uh, all of the injuries around the NFL that were just kind of falling the Eagles' way. And we thought the Eagles kind of got their injuries out of the way early. The Jason Peters, the Ronald Darby's, the Jordan Hicks. The we Sproles. thought that we had already had our sacrificial lambs and that we did it. And the one thing we always said to each other was, well, there's only one guy we can't lose. And then we would all go, Carson. And the fact that it's happening in one of the biggest games of the year where we won the NFC East in the beginning of December, it's just, it's not just an Eagles thing. I'm just fucking tired of the Patriots. Like, I respect the fuck out of them, but I'm tired. And I don't think the Steelers can hang with them. I don't think that really any team can. I just thought the Eagles had the perfect mix because they can get pressure with their front four, and they have an unpredictable unpredictable quarterback. And it's just... But I think, Nicky, I think Nick Foles can do it. Not, not win it, but... I think he can keep this fun time alive and at least fuck some other people up, but I don't I don't think they're capable of winning the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. They're gonna play yeah, I agree. They're they're gonna play this show in psychology courses for years to come. It's like how many stages have we gone through so far? Yeah. The, the, I never had denial though. I never had like, oh, he's not hurt. I see when I saw the the Rappaport tweet I was like you know that's denial that's so? our denial stage Seth Joyner well, us holding out hope yeah. I'm trying to remember wasn't he the one yeah us t- us using the word Rappaport if the one who <laughs> kind of did the caution about Deshaun Watson or am I totally misremembering that thing yeah, like he I don't like remember. Nah, someone said it was someone said he did it with Jason Peters the thing is like I'm not I'm not gonna cast shade on him he does he does a good enough job but I will say that like he pretty much stated the obvious like anyone with the team obviously is holding out hope because there hasn't been an MRI but I mean you get a sense just from the way the players were talking they don't know either by the way but you get the sense that like the vibe in the locker room was like I actually want to give a shout out to Aaron Andrews because I was saying on last Monday night or Sunday night when I was watching Michelle Tafoya Someone went into the locker room and Michelle Tafoy, they went, all right, let's go to Michelle Tafoy. And she said, okay, well, this man is listed as questionable. And I wanted to go, no shit. Everybody at home knows that when you go to the locker room, you're officially questionable. You, We need your report to tell us if he's doubtful. 
But shout out to Aaron Andrews who went and all of the trainers came out shaking their heads because yes. I, yes. I'm going to be honest. When the play happened, I was sitting there with Sims and my and my really good friend Jake, who's an Eagles fan, was watching a Bleach Report yesterday. And when he saw it, Sims went, oh, fuck, I think that's going to be an ACL. Because he was like looking at him standing there. And I said, how can you tell from this hit? He goes, because the guy was leaning right up against his knee and it happened. So like. I was thinking about ACL way too early, but when we heard the Aaron Andrews report, Sims was like, it's not often that trainers walk out shaking their heads. That's, that's bad. And I was like, Oh fuck. Like that was actually a good report. So she did her job. Well, I didn't like her message, but she did her job. Well, I agree. And that was the, like, until that point, all we had was the official report that he was out, that they had trumpeted on the broadcast before they went to her. Like, that's that's all anyone knew. I, I completely agree with you, because up until Doug Peterson spoke to the media, the most we had to go on was that shaking their head, yeah. heads line. Um, the, and this is this is a hot take, obviously, but, like, the Michelle, people shit on Erin Andrews because a lot of people think she's with the A crew because of, you know, her looks and her fame and all that. And uh, there's, I'm sure there's something to that. But, like, I remember when she got bumped up to the A-team and Pam Oliver was upset because it was like, oh, you know, of course they're moving Erin Andrews, you know, because she's attractive and all this and she's famous. But it's like, first of all, most sideline reporters at that level are completely interchangeable. They're almost all doing the exact same thing. And there's not, like, there's a level of skill required there, but they're doing, like, there's a very formulaic template that they have to follow. But Erin Andrews is no better or worse than anybody, and you could argue that, like, with that little moment you just described yesterday, that she's as, as good, if not better, than everybody else. Like, you still have to go on camera yeah, and do no, those things. So, like, I've right. always thought the people who shit on her that are jealous because she's attractive. Like, so what? Yeah, what? It, all things being equal, it's a football show. They're going well, to choose no, the more attractive person. just that. No, it's about, like, like, presentation, delivery, and information. And I would say yes. that... Yep. Pam Oliver is better at the sit-down interview that she used to get all the time, which I don't even think is a staple anymore. And Aaron Andrews is better at delivering information in and out of halftimes and remembering the memorable quote. If we're going straight off of television, I can't believe we're going down this right now. I actually like study this shit because this is what I look at. It's, okay, you get 20 seconds. What are you choosing to say? And Aaron Andrews focuses on reactions, facial tics, and like little sayings. And she'll be good at going, a Andy Reid wouldn't even talk to me. Whereas, like, she's just good at saying those things. So, yes, she, I think she's actually very underrated. I it concurred. And I don't concurred. find her that attractive, which is shocking to Kyle. But No, I mean, she's not like, you know, I mean... But uh, you know, you the perception of her, and that's I mean, yeah. from back in the day, I, that's she so was misogynistic. The, you know, I just said that, but it is it is what it is. But no, it's um, fine. So Russ, I'm you're male. You're allowed to have everybody. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, who? Okay, so let me ask you guys this: Who is now the face of the Eagles? It's Nick no, Foles. I will not let Nick Foley and <laughs> no, Dynamite. I think it's Fletcher Cox. Nah, uh, I think this is I think this is uh, Fletcher Cox's team, and I would like to see over Jenkins, so, like national national perspective. No, but I'm talking but I'm talking about the yeah, fuck the national perspective. I'm talking about our perspective. I'm talking about who he's the highest paid guy on the team. He's the biggest motherfucker on the team. I just. 
This has been such a, a special year in terms of things bouncing the Eagles way. And also like the Jake Elliott kick, like all of the stuff with like uh, Chris Long and all the things he's supporting. I would. L- God, it's like breaking up with somebody and then going back and viewing photos. Of it happy is what we're doing. Yeah, I just me. I would You're like me. I want the defense. This is like my dream scenario to like all start just painting their faces black or something like that. Like putting like streaks of black under their eyes and just, and like be like, I want them to openly say like, we're doing this for Carson. Like I want them to be like the, like the agents of war and like they go out there and they just start killing people in the honor of Carson Wentz. Like I want the team to get somehow tighter and I want Carson to pray over the team and give like Tebow speeches. And I want them to like, it's, I want it to be like air, Bud or angels in the outfield uh, and I just yes. want like the spirit to fill this team and I want the passion to overflow from the field into the minds and into the fingertips that hold the ball I want Alshon to become the second coming of Jerry Rice combined with Terrell Owens with the consistency of Marvin Harrison I want Jay Ajayi to look like Marshall Falk just got the legs of Eric Dickerson and was hitting people like Jim Brown like I want them to be consumed with the spirit of Carson Wentz and I want them to ambush the league like just a, a fire going across the prairie that's what i want that's fantastic i want little pj little pj from the end of angels in the outfield i just want him to go in the locker room as a grown man and say it could happen that's all they need i want all the actors that were in angels in the outfield rookie of the year Angels in the the basketball game because you know they made some Space Jam. Rudy, I want them. Air Rocky, Bud. can we get Airbud? Little yeah, Airbud. I want them all in the locker room giving speeches, just giving their energy. Put it in a jar. God, I hate this. <laughs> it's it's just making me so sad. I'm glad we can this, help. This is so sad. That was a great rant. I'm just you just annoyed, made me sad. I'm annoyed like, that it took all this, all this time for people sad. to recognize how good Carson Wentz is. Like halftime of that game, Simpson and I were laughing because you hear you have like Jimmy Johnson and and Michael Strahan and Terry Bradshaw. They're like, you know what? I'll tell the Carson Wentz is special. I can't believe I'm saying it, but he's like John Elway, and it's like, motherfucker, we have been saying this all year, all year. That Carson Wentz is special. And the fact that it took everybody this long to realize it is just, it's just annoying that, I mean, guys, is Jared Goff even in the same planet as Carson Wentz? No. Like, after what you saw yesterday, do you understand? Like, they're not even on the same planet. Carson Wentz does it all himself. Name 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 two great throws that Jared Goff made yesterday. He had one play where he rolled out and completed a pass. Ooh. But, like, the big touchdown was Cooper Cup. The other touchdowns were all Todd Gurley. Like, and how many pre-snap decisions, how many times did they audible with more than 15 seconds left on the clock so you know it was Sean McVay? I just... Man. It's like you're... You're taking the... You're each... Each sentence is you twisting the knife and just opening the wound. Because I'm trying to say something about Wentz's greatness. But at the same time, Kyle, like I thought about this when there was those big hits in the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game last week. 
and there was like all the concussions. I appreciate when NFL players get hurt. I don't be like, oh my God, I can't believe he's playing this game and look what he risks and all that stuff. I get appreciative of the fact that like they go out there and they do that stuff and they sacrifice their bodies. So like in a weird way, you know, like when I die, I don't want people to cry. I want people to like share funny stories and I probably like want to set something up to make people laugh after I die. Like I want them to appreciate me. And I'm trying to appreciate Carson Wentz. You want a celebration of life instead of a I funeral. I want a celebration of life instead of a funeral. Thank you, Russ. Speaking of crying, it appears Carson Wentz may have cried. Why are you? You're this just, just in from Peter. You wait, just got. Is, wait, see where he's going, Russ. We don't know where he's going. This just in from uh, Peter King. This is uh, his, his first nugget on Wentz and his MMQB, which just went off. So let me read the paragraph here. It's pretty short. Carson Wentz is such a good guy. Intimidated by nothing. It's just football, he says, every 15 or 20, 20 minutes about the mega jump from North Dakota to Silver Linings Playbook Land. Uh, happy for his teammates, caring nothing about his numbers except the one on the left in the newspaper standings. That's how you know you're old when you reference newspaper standings. This is how good of a guy he is. Colon. When doctors told him after the game they feared he could have a, an ACL tear, he got emotional, but still celebrated with his teammates when they came in from the NFC East clinching 43-35 win over the Rams. So that's, I, that's you know that's the first I've heard that little nugget of Wentz's reaction to the news, and it's making I don't, me sad. Hold on really quick. There is one double entendre, and that is I finally got my letter. We finally got the Y next to the name in the newspaper. But right now, the only thing I'm thinking about is why. I got to go. That's, that was Have you written that down? But I think we should leave on that. Russ has to go. I think all we're going to do is just stab ourselves in the face more. Fingers, fingers much, crossed we get something good. And if you we don't... What? Cross your knees... Like, seriously, like, I'm crossing my knees right now. Do it. Are you guys doing it? Sure. Yep. All right. It hurts. I feel like I'm going to tear Are my ACL. Are you doing it, Kyle? You have one knee yeah, over the other? Hurts. My knee doesn't go that way. Yeah. All right, guys. Crooked. If you're out there and you're listening to this yeah. show, if you're driving, don't cross your knees because we, we're not ah, responsible for that. But if you're at home or you're at office, cross your knees and say a prayer for Carson Wentz. Russ, would you like to lead us in prayer as we leave? Dear sports gods, spare him. Spare this man. Amen. Amen.